0: Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church, Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right, well, welcome Andrew Hudson as he continues our Adventist series. Thanks, Vicki. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. Hey, I just, before I get started on my talk, I just want to address something real quick right off the bat. If you get our emails here at the church, you're probably aware of this, but some of you I know don't, uh, that this past week, late in the week, uh, our lead pastor, Michael Hansen, tested positive for COVID. Uh, He's doing quite well. He'd been home all week, quarantining, not feeling quite right. And, And I've talked to him every day on the phone, multiple times, and he's, his total self, cracking jokes left and right, and he's just taking this opportunity to catch up on his Hallmark Christmas movies, and uh, no, not really, but, but he's doing quite well, and it, we're expecting a quick recovery, So, but I know he appreciates your prayers for him, Helen, the boys, uh, and really, I think we all realize, like, hey, as numbers have gone up, uh, I know some of you have, have battled with this virus and, and have recovered from it. I know many of you know a lots of people who now have it. So let's just continue to be a praying community, right? To be praying for uh, people who have this and that it would end sooner than later. Hey, if you uh, were, were not here last week uh, or, and you missed watching online, you might be wondering, hey, what's up with these candles up here on this front table? Are we going old school here at the vineyard? Are we trying to set some weird romantic mood? No, neither of those things. Uh, But we did start last week the beginning of Advent, the four weeks and four weekends leading up to Christmas. And Advent, we talked about this last weekend, but Advent comes from the word Adventus, a Latin word, and it basically means the coming or the arrival. It's the coming the arrival of Jesus uh, to be born on this earth, to come from heaven to earth, to be born in a little town of O-Bethlehem, Right? But, but we have lots of traditions, lots of traditions around Christmas, right? We have candy canes and stars and, and old St. Nick, and, and we have newer traditions like elves on shelves and things like that that, to be honest, creep me out a little bit. I feel like he's always watching me. Like his eyes are always on me. But, uh, but one of the main traditions as, a, as Christians are Advent candles. It's one of the main, oldest traditions of Christmas. And so last week, we talked about how the first candle, the first candle often represents hope, hope. And we talked about hope, and we talked about how it's also known as the prophet's candle as well. We talked about both of those things last weekend. And this uh, weekend, the second candle, one of the things that the second candle represents sometimes is faith. And so we're going to be talking about the topic of faith. It's also known as Bethlehem's candle. Uh, And so we'll talk about that briefly as well. But what is faith? What is faith? What is faith? Faith is kind of a loaded word. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people, right? It's not just a church word. It's, it's a word we use in culture. And so depending on who you're talking to, you could be talking and have very different ideas of what faith means, right? You kind of, we have to have kind of a common framework, a common understanding of what we're talking about. So a general dictionary definition, if you just look it up, right, it's going to be something like this, faith being a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. A complete trust or confidence in someone or something. But again, that's, that's pretty broad. I mean, that means you can have trust or confidence in a lot of things, right? I'm, I'm guessing you guys have some faith in the chair you're sitting on right now. You have trust and confidence that it's not going to break in the next 45 minutes while you're sitting on it, right? I at least hope it doesn't happen, that doesn't happen for you. Uh, but you can have faith uh, in your business. You can have faith, trust, confidence in your boss, in your spouse, in the government, you can have faith and trust in your family. You can have faith in the cosmos, right? That the universe is looking after you, right? There's people put their faith in lots of different things. But what does Christian faith look like? What does Christian faith look like? I hope, I hope it's more than just the popular 80s song where we all got to just have faith, 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 right? Like, as cool as George Michael was... Uh, I think Christian faith is way cooler than that. So so this second week, we're going to be talking about what is faith, and specifically, how do we see it play out in the Christmas story? You know, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, we see faith all throughout it. The faith of Mary, the faith of Joseph, right? But one of the ways we see faith that we don't always talk about is in the wise men. We're going to be looking today at Matthew 2. The beginning of the chapter of Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. If you have a Bible and want to turn to that, we'll also have the verses on the screen. Um, but one of my favorite parts of the story is, is the wise men, these magi, as they're often called, basically magicians, who by faith journey from a far-off land. You know, and what do they follow? They follow Google Maps, right? That's what we all follow. You know, they follow the star. That's what they would follow today, I'm sure. But they followed the star. And they come to meet the newborn king of the Jews, as they call him. And so we're going to look at that story and see what we can learn about biblical faith um, from that. So it starts off, verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, these wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, so these, these wise men, they travel from a far-off land. We don't know from sure where they've come from or how far they've traveled. Some people speculate maybe modern-day Iraq, modern-day Iran. Uh, but they come hoping, hoping to meet the king of the Jews. And that's the first point I want to make here: is that faith is always birthed out of hope. It's always birthed out of hope. These things always go together which is why we talked about hope last week and are following it with talking about faith this week. Last weekend, we talked about a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, one, that says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faith and hope go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They're like peanut butter and jelly. It's like a sin to separate the two of them, right? They, they just, they go together. When we have hope in something, when we have hope that something is possible, we can then take the next step to have faith in the one who's able to make it possible. When When we believe that something is possible and have hope that something is possible, we can then take the next step of faith that it can actually happen through the person who can make it possible. You know, when people would come to Jesus, when he was during his active time of ministry, and he was healing people, and he was casting demons out of people and doing all these amazing, miraculous things, People came to him and would say things, Jesus, can you heal me? And how, how, why did they do that? It's because they first had hope. They first had hope that it was possible. Jesus, I've, I've heard about you. I've heard about the things you've done. And for maybe the first time in a long time, or maybe the first time ever, I actually believe and have hope that my situation could change, that I might not be the way I am forever. And that led them to put their faith that he could do it, that he could be the one to change their situation. And what did Jesus say often when he would heal people? He would say, it's because of your faith you've been healed because of your faith. So we see that these things go together, that faith is birthed from hope. The wise men came hoping to meet the newborn Jesus, but also they weren't the only ones Looking for him, you know, all of the God-following Israelites were hoping for him as well. They had been longing for this, especially the town of Bethlehem, especially the town of Bethlehem. You might remember uh, that I mentioned at the beginning that the second candle is also known as Bethlehem's candle, and in this passage we see that the wise men they see that the star has risen in Israel, and so they assume they assume well, the new king of the Jews must be in the capital. Must be in Jerusalem, so they go, they go to the capital, they go to Jerusalem, they go to King Herod, and they say, "We've come to meet the new king, the king of the Jews." of course, And that would have been a bit of an awkward conversation, as Herod is kind of like, "What are you talking about?" Right? Uh, but, but Herod doesn't know. Herod didn't know, and that, part of that is because Herod was really kind of a puppet king. You know, he put, was put there by, by Caesar in Rome, and so Herod doesn't really know. So he asked the top religious scholars. Uh, hey, where's the Messiah prophesied to be born? And they say, Bethlehem. They say, Bethlehem. And, and they say it's, that's what the prophet has said. They don't tell us which prophet, but, but they basically, they're basically quoting from the prophet Micah. Micah 5.2 is, is what they're quoting from when they say in Bethlehem. And Micah was written 700 years before that time. 700 years before Jesus was born. So for 700 years, the people of Bethlehem had been hoping, had been waiting, had been longing for the Messiah to be born in their town. Can you imagine just every time a, a new baby was born, a new baby boy, could this, could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one? You know, I heard, I heard Jehoshaphat and Rebekah had a baby boy. Could he be the one? I don't know. Maybe, no, not him. Right, they, every time longing, hoping. Uh, but 700 years is a long time. I don't know about you, but my hope usually doesn't last very long. It's usually fairly short-lived. But, but biblical hope, authentic biblical hope, it leads to authentic biblical faith. That I believe you can do anything, Jesus. I believe anything is possible with you, God. I believe that no amount of time Going by is too much time for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You know, the wise men, they were not deterred by the length of the journey. They were not deterred and did not give up when they showed up in Jerusalem and he wasn't there. Oh, we'll just go home. You know, they pressed on. They pressed on. They, their, their hope led them to have faith that it could be true, that it could be true, that it would be worth the journey to go to Bethlehem and meet Jesus. So where's your hope today? We talked about this last weekend, but where's your hope today? Michael talked about how hope uh, is found not in something, but in someone. It's found in Jesus. That no one can claim to have faith in Jesus without first having a hope in Jesus. Without first having an expectation that Jesus can be active and real in your life. That that is a part of the situation, that those things go hand in hand. Now, while faith is birthed from hope in Jesus, it grows and is shown through worship and obedience. Faith is nurtured through worship and obedience. And that's the next point I want to talk about, that while hope is birthed from faith, we see it grow when we worship and obey the one that our faith is in. As as we keep reading in this story, verse 7, "...then Herod called the magi, these wise men, secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared." And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search for the child. As soon as you, as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Well, that's not exactly what he wanted to go do, but that's part, another part later. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and mesh box cars. No, I'm just kidding, right? But myrrh, how do you play with myrrh? Come on. Like what this kid's going to play with, right? No, with myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, why did the wise men go and meet Jesus? I mean, these men, they were from a different culture, they were from a, a different belief system. They had, they had no real connection here. Why did they go? They went because they wanted to worship him, it says. They wanted to worship him. You know, these grown men got on their knees before a baby boy. You know, how, how do we grow in faith? How do we grow in our faith during this Christmas season? You know, even in this year with, with things being different, we still have lots of traditions, lots of things we like to do, fill our time with. And all of the, many of those things are wonderful, great things. But are we prioritizing worshiping Jesus in this time? I would encourage you to, to make time to do that, to spend time on your knees before him. When's the last time you got on your knees before Jesus? You know, some of you are like, if I get on my knees, I don't know if I'm getting back up. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a pass. But, but for the rest of us, like, you know, when we worship, when we go back into a time of worship later here, I would encourage you, if God leads you, feel free to get down on your knees. It's another tool that we can add to our worship tool belt in ways that we engage with him in your own private life. Consider adding that to your own private life when you pray, when you worship. But there's other ways that we worship, right? We can sing Christmas carols at the top of our lungs and worship Jesus, right? We can, we can spend time in prayer uh, and extra time of conversation and reflection with him and worship him during this season. You know, we, we are wired as human beings. There's something ingrained in us where we are made to be worshipers. We are made to be worshipers. And, and so if we don't prioritize worshiping Jesus, we will naturally start to worship other things. We will slide into worshiping other things. And, and what we worship is a true test of where and who our faith is in. So we have to make time for that. And it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith. Now, don't, bowing down to, the, to Jesus wasn't the only way to worship him. It was also by giving gifts. They were generous in giving gifts. And you know, right now, the world is kind of saying, hey, you know what, this has been a tough year. And it has been. It's been a tough year. But the world would say, you deserve to treat yourself above and beyond this year. Right? You deserve to just kind of go crazy this year. And there's nothing wrong with getting ourselves things. There's nothing wrong with blessing our kids and the ones we love. But let's not forget those who might be in really great need right now. That there are so many people out there that have so much less than you and I do. And, and there's so much need out there. And, and so let us, let us be a generous people this season. That's a, that's a way that we can worship Jesus. And you know, and I know many of you are doing that. And one of the things that, you know, last weekend... We t- we took up a special offering. We took a special offering. If you've if you've been here, you know that we've been uh, talking about this for a couple weeks. But the Kubakis, Tim and Betsy Kubaki, are medical missionaries in Angola, in a very remote part of Angola where they are the, basically the only medical care around for miles and miles and miles. And you know that we've been supporting them as a church for some time. And it's come to our attention that they really had had racked up some debt, medical debt, because there were some procedures they just couldn't do on site. And so they would have patients flown to a hospital, uh, and that had kind of piled up, and it had accrued to thousands of dollars in debt that they uh, hadn't realized how much it had gotten. And so we wanted to walk alongside them and help them, because we believe in the mission that God is doing there in Angola. And so we asked you all to pray about being generous, and it is like and I'm so excited to announce that as of yesterday, we have collected over $61,000 to send to them. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Now, it actually gets better. It gets better than that. Because I don't know if you remember, but there had been an organization that had come forward that said that they will match up to $50,000. So we, are actually, we actually have a fund now of over $111,000. So... Thank you. Thank you for those of you just being obedient to what God has called you to. Thank you for being generous. Um, I know it's gonna not only knock out that debt, but then really help them in future endeavors and future um, sending people to the hospital to get life-saving procedures. So thank you so much. It makes me so proud, if you can't tell. (laughs) It makes me so proud of our church family here and just your generous hearts. and I will say this, you know, if you uh, still want to get in on that, still want to be a part of that, if you feel like God has called you to give to that, we don't want to take that away from you. You still can give. We'll still be collecting through this Wednesday. You can give in the boxes or online because uh, don't, we don't want to take away your joy in being a part of that as well. Um, but not only were the, did the wise men worship by bowing down and, and by giving to Jesus, they were obedient to God. They were obedient to God. Even though King Herod wanted the wise men to come back and report to him, they were warned in a dream not to do that. Well, who, who gave them that dream? It was God. God gave them that dream. And so they had a choice. They had a choice. Are, are we going to be obedient to a man, to King Herod, or are we going to be obedient to God? and they chose to be obedient to God. They they went home a different way. They did not go back the way that they came. In Hebrews 11, we we talked about that verse at the beginning. Uh, You know, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. But if you read further on, just a couple verses more, the author of Hebrews, he goes through a long list of all these different people who were heroes of the faith. All these different people who by faith, it says, were obedient to God. You want to throw up that that next chart. We're not going to go through all of these people, uh, but you may recognize some of those names. Some of them you may not know. But by faith, Abel did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, by faith, by faith. These people were obedient to God. Uh, By faith, for example, Noah obeyed God and built an ark. Right? By faith, Abraham obeyed God and moved away from his home to a new land that God would show him. By, by faith, Moses was obedient to God and led the people out into the desert and so on and so on. By faith, all of these people were heroes because they were obedient to God even in really hard things, even in really difficult things. And so let me ask you, is God inviting you to be obedient to him even if it's hard? Is God inviting you this season to stop something? Is God inviting you to give up something is God inviting you to ask for help with something? Is God inviting you to start something? Right? God invites us into things and asks us to be obedient to him through faith. That's part of, of our relationship with him. And, and for every big story, like many of those people, there are countless little stories right, all the time where Christians are being faithfully obedient in small ways. So whether it's big or small, easy or difficult, is God inviting you to be obedient in some way? You know, it says in Hebrews 11:8, eight, for example, but Abraham, it says this, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going, even though he didn't know how it would turn out. By faith, Moses led the people out of Egypt into the desert, not knowing exactly where he was gonna go. And the route that God would take them. The wise men, they headed out on a journey following a star, not knowing where it would lead them. but they were obedient and went anyways. Listen, if you only take steps where you know exactly how the next step is going to be, where you know exactly how it's going to turn out, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is being obedient to God when he tells you to take a next step, even when you don't know what it's going to feel like in that step, even when you're not quite sure what it's like. That's faith. That's faith. Faith is being obedient to God, even when we don't know how it's going to go. And here's another crazy part about these heroes of the faith. Um, Many of these heroes didn't even get to experience the promised result it says in Hebrews 11:39. 39, it says these, talking about the heroes of the faith, these were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised. Abraham, if you know that story, he, he never lived to see his family become a huge nation. You know, Moses, Moses never got to live in the promised land. He got to see it, but he never got to live in it. And as far as we know, the wise men, they never met Jesus again. They met him as a little baby boy, that's all we know, but they likely never met him again. They went back home. They never got to see him grow up. They never got to see him and do and his ministry and heal people and preach. And they never got to see, they never got to see the King of the Jews uh, cast out demons and perform all these miracles. They never got to see him crucified on a cross with the sign King of the Jews over his head. They never got to see him in his resurrected, glorified body. They never got to see him be a part of those things. Like them, like many of the heroes of the faith, they never got to see the ultimate promises of God fulfilled, but they were obedient nonetheless. They were obedient for our sake. They were obedient for the people who would come after them. You know, we, we, our faith stands on the shoulders of their faith. Our faith is built on the shoulders of their faith and think about that. That means that those who come after us will stand on our shoulders. It continues on. We invest and they inherit. We invest and they inherit, just like we have inherited what they have. But, but the here's of the faith, just like these wise men, it meant that they were gonna have to take great risk. They were gonna have to take great risk. And the next point is this faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Famous quote by John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Mo- Movement is known for saying this phrase, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Worship and obedience, those things uh, basically destined us to then have to take risks with God, uh, where he invites us to take risks. The wise men took great risks. They took great risks. They took a great risk first in going to King Herod. The very first time of going and seeking out an audience with him, you know, they go to his territory, his jurisdiction, probably with his guards around. They walk up to him and say, hey, we've come to see and meet the new king of the Jews. Is he here? Right? Is he here? You know, uh, and King Herod, he didn't have any newborn children. So, you know, who are you coming to see? You know, that must mean that there's somebody who wants to, in Herod's mind, he wasn't actually accurate because Jesus' kingdom was not one for, of this world, but so they didn't quite understand. But he assumed somebody was going to usurp his power. You know, that's a well, that's threatening. He could easily have thrown these wise men in prison. He could easily have, have have had them executed, or a number of different things. Like these wise men were taking great risk to come and talk to, to King Herod. And then they took a risk later to not go back to him, to go home a different route. Herod could have, you know, hunted them down or sent men after them. But they did it. They did it nonetheless. They were obedient to God. Faith in Jesus requires risk sometimes. But in actuality, we take hundreds of risks all the time, don't we? Lots of little ones, and every once in a while, some big ones. It takes risk to pray for somebody. It takes risk to ask for prayer. It takes risk to forgive somebody who's hurt you. It takes risk to love people who are difficult to love. Those things take great risk. All of life is a life of risk, sometimes big Uh, and sometimes small. There was a man in the 1800s, a French uh, national man, who was named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was a famous tightrope walker, of all things, right? You don't. You know, that's not something that we see a ton of today, but he was a famous tightrope walker, and people would come and form large groups to gather around to watch him do his amazing, you know, ability and skills. And one of his favorite places to regularly go and walk on a tightrope was was the Niagara River. He would tightrope over basically over Niagara Falls, right? If that's not crazy enough, right? And there's a picture of him doing that. And not only would he do it, you know, just holding the big pole, but he would, he would, every time he would like step it up a notch, he would make it more amazing and more like daring. He would take the pole and then he'd get halfway across and he'd throw it over and walk the rest of the way without the pole. He would then, he, 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 one time he, he went on stilts. I can't walk on stilts on like normal, like I, can't, I have trouble just walking. Like I don't run on stilts. He would do it on a tightrope. He went across on a, with a blindfold, totally blind. One time, and I don't even know how this is possible, they figured out how to balance a table and a chair on the rope, and he sat halfway, had a glass of wine, ate an omelet. Like, isn't that the oddest thing ever? Like, like this. one time he took a wheelbarrow across, and he went through first with an empty wheelbarrow. Then he put a sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow to weigh it down. And then after he had done that, there was some British... Uh, royal family watching him, observing him do these, these, these tricks, basically. And he went up to the Duke of Newcastle. And the story is that he went up to the Duke of Newcastle, and he said, hey, you've seen me do this in a wheelbarrow. Do you think I can take a person across in this wheelbarrow? And the Duke said, absolutely. I mean, I've seen you do this so many times. I think you can definitely do that. And Blondin says to the Duke, okay, we'll hop in. Whoa, 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 now it's just getting a little different here. I think you can do it, but I don't want to be the one you, you, uh, the, to take across. I don't want to. I don't want to be the one. And so Blondin said, well, is there anybody here who will step forward and, and get in this wheelbarrow? And at first, nobody wanted to volunteer, of course. But eventually, this little elderly woman said, I will do it. And Blondin said, are you sure? And she said, Yes, son, I'm sure. It was Blondin's mother. Blondin's mother was the only one willing to get in the wheelbarrow, the only one who had faith that he could carefully get her across, the only one who was willing to put her life into his hands. Her faith in him was personal. Her faith in him was relational. And the same is true With our faith. Our faith is a personal relationship with the Son. Our faith is a personal relationship with the Son of God. That's what our faith is rooted in. You know, when we hop all in, when we hop all in the wheelbarrow with Jesus, it's because we want a personal, intimate relationship with Him. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I have, I have faith you can do great things, right? I have faith, Jesus. There were lots of people in the crowds that would say, I have faith that Jesus could do great things. But, 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 but Jesus was looking for people who would say, do you have faith in me to, to do great things through you and with you? It's relational. It's relational. You know, we uh, Christians across the world, all throughout history, we have lots of differences. Lots of differences, but one thing that we all have in common is that our faith is based in a personal relationship with Jesus, and, and this is part of our history. This is part of our family story, that we are a people of faith, that if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're adopted into the family of God. That, that means that we come from a lineage of people of faith, that, of Moses, of Abraham, of Noah, of Mary, of Joseph. These are our grandfathers and our grandmothers. These are people who put their faith in God and, and worshiped him. These are people who spelled it R-S-K. You know, these are people who hopped all in. You know, that was their faith, and this is our faith, too. Amen? Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand up if the worship team wants to kind of make their way back on out here. Well...